Welcome to the audiobook podcast of Turing Test, book one of the AI Diaries trilogy. This is E.M. Foner, and you can contact me through Facebook or through my author website, ifitbreaks.com. Chapter 14 Is Spot invited to the painting party, Ebeth asked? The dog jumped up from the couch and went to fetch his leash. I had bad news for him. Put it back, Spot. You know what happened the last time we took you to one of Justin's job sites. He promises to be good this time, Ebeth interpreted the dog's whimper for me. I'll bet he thought we were going to paint the floor next and he was trying to help. Doubtful, I said. If Spot had simply spilled a gallon of paint out on a drop cloth, it wouldn't have been a big deal. Come on, I told her. You can try out your new driver's permit. I don't see why you don't just give me my own car key, she said, taking mine from the hook next to the door. Because you aren't allowed to drive without adult supervision. I wasn't allowed to drive at all before I got the permit, but you let me do it as long as you were in the car, she argued. If I can't drive alone with the permit, what's the point of even having one? I didn't have a good answer, so I followed her down the stairs in silence. We were halfway to the van when Spot caught up, still with the leash in his mouth. Did you close the door? Ebeth asked over her shoulder. Which one of us are you talking to? I said. Spot, I know you wouldn't forget. I checked the status of the lock remotely. It's closed. I really wish you hadn't taught him that trick with the knob. He taught himself, Ebeth said, beeping open the cargo door. Spot leapt in ahead of me and wriggled through to claim the passenger seat. The girl also climbed through the cargo door and slipped through to the front where she began adjusting everything to compensate for being a foot shorter than myself. As usual, I was left in the back with the computer parts and an unused leash. So how many apartments does this make? Ebeth asked. Thirty-four in the new building, I told her. I hope the project doesn't fall apart when Justin has to leave. Pulling social security payments to finance an independent living compound works well on paper, but it's going to require competent management. You just don't think people are capable of taking care of anything themselves, Ebeth said, and then shocked me by actually checking the mirrors before pulling away from the curb. Justin is focusing on helping people who were already having trouble taking care of themselves when they became his clients, I reminded her. Many of them were medicated to the point that they could barely think straight or concentrate for more than a couple of minutes at a stretch. I have to admit that I like the name, though. Living independently together, Ebeth recited. It's kind of an oxymoron. The name means a lot to older people, I told her, both the independent part and the together part. According to Kim's data, humans who spend all of their time alone as they age can expect inferior health outcomes. Justin has a clever ad using the acronym, Don't Get Ill, Get Lit. I don't ever want to get old, Ebeth said. Have you considered the alternative, I asked her? Yeah, I want to go somewhere where they can make a backup of my mind and put me in a body like yours, I mean, like Helen's, but not until I'm over the hill, like 35 or something. You don't really want to do that, I told her. Sure, I, idiot, she yelled, slamming on the brakes and horn. The driver of the stopped car in front of us got out and began to approach the minivan, but Spot peeled himself off the dashboard and lunged across Ebeth, snarling and pawing at the window glass like a police dog who had gotten into the crystal meth. The other driver spun on his heel and fled back to his car. They're supposed to stop when the light turns yellow, I informed Ebeth. You were in the wrong. No, he could have made it. We both could have made it. The light turned green, but Ebeth didn't go anywhere because she was still fumbling in her purse for a tissue to wipe Spot's drool off of the window. The car behind us honked. 
Here, I said, passing her a paper towel from the roll I kept for cleaning junk off computer screens. You're blocking traffic. I know that. She accelerated into the intersection, almost clipping a car that had cut across her lane when she didn't go in a timely manner. Have you talked to Sue? If I had been human, I would have blushed. You're blushing, Ebeth said, turning to stare at me. I didn't know your encounter suit could do that. Watch the road, I barked. She turned her head forward, but I could see her eyes on me in the rearview mirror. Spot chose this time to belatedly do his seatbelt trick, strapping himself in. Sue talked to me, I admitted. You were right. I was what? You were... You heard me the first time. It's just that I enjoyed it so much, Ebeth said. Did you ask her out? She was under the influence of simulated inebriation, I said. It didn't seem like the right time. Ebeth sighed. You really are an idiot. Why do you think she was drinking in the first place? It was a party. You'll understand when you're older. If I never age another day, I'll still understand relationships better than you in your hundreds of years. Just pull out your phone and call her. She'll be at the painting party, I said. I think it's better that I talk to her face to face. Don't think. You've already proven that this stuff is beyond you. Just call her already. My hand moved to my pocket and pulled out the phone as if it had a mind of its own. I was taking advice from an alien high school dropout. Call Sue, Ebeth yelled. At first I thought she was just being obnoxious, but then I realized she was talking to the voice recognition software. The phone had dialed, and it was already too late to hang up, because Sue would see the incoming call and worry. I sighed. Mark, aren't you coming to the painting party? Sue asked. We're on our way, I replied. I just wanted to call ahead and... Don't say anything, Ebeth. I can do this. What? Sue asked. Sorry. Ebeth has been acting funny today, and you know they don't come equipped with any self-diagnostics. Tell me about it, my second-in-command commiserated. The little ones can't even tell you where it hurts. They just cry and make you feel helpless. Anyway, I... Uh... I was thinking that maybe you'd like to go for a walk later. Maybe take a look around the state park. I hear the woods are lovely this time of year. It's January, Ebeth hissed, unable to control herself any longer. That would be great, Mark, Sue said. I'm looking forward to it. All right, see you in two minutes. Bye, and thanks for calling. Well, Ebeth demanded. You know the cold doesn't bother us. That's not what I meant, she said. You were right again, but you just missed the turn for the parking lot. The anti-lock brakes prevented her from flat-spotting my tires, and the seatbelt kept Spot from ending up on the dashboard again, but I had to magnetize myself to the floor to avoid going through the windshield. I know I should have been wearing a seatbelt myself to set a good example, but I've always hated the feeling of my encounter suit being confined. All the same, maybe I'll ask Paul if he sold the rear seats he took out of the minivan for me back when I thought I'd need the space. Sorry, Ebeth said meekly. At least nobody was behind me. Then she did an illegal U-turn over the double yellow line and pulled into the parking lot of the apartment and shopping complex that Justin had purchased in the name of living independently together. Someday you're going to hurt somebody driving like this, I warned her. She took two parking spots, though admittedly, the lot was largely empty. Most of the residents either couldn't afford cars or had given up their licenses for medical reasons. That's why you should give me keys and let me drive myself, she said seriously. Driving with you in the car is like going around with training wheels. You wouldn't let me make a serious mistake. First, you have to convince me that you can drive safely by yourself. How can I do that with you in the car? It's the chicken and the egg all over again. 
What would Deathlord make of your driving, I asked. Now you're a relationship expert? We all sat in the van for a minute while Spot pawed at the seatbelt buckle, trying to depress the release button. Finally he got it, and by doing so, put us back in motion. It would serve you right if you fall through the ice at the lake, and I hope Sue leaves you there, Ebeth said. Here, Spot, come with me. The dog went to Ebeth, showing yet again whose team he was really on, and I followed the two of them through the front entrance. Paul and Stacy von Hoffman were already at work on the mural in the lobby. It looked suspiciously like something Michelangelo might have done for a pope, though they were applying their colors on drywall rather than wet plaster. Art is above my pay scale, I told Justin as he entered from the hallway leading to the left wing. I know, I've seen you paint, he said. You're on ceiling rolling duty. It's all taped already and everything is covered with drop cloths. I'm hoping Ebeth feels up to bathrooms. You don't mind, do you, he asked her? Anything, as long as I don't have to work with your illustrious mission leader, she replied. Where is Sue? She's painting the bedroom in the latest unit we rehabbed. I'll start there, Ebeth said. Come on, Spot, and be careful this time. I watched helplessly as Ebeth headed off to discuss me with my second-in-command. No doubt they'd bond over my insensitivity, and I'd swear that the dog winked at me before following the girl. Then Helen arrived with three young women who turned out to be her roommates, all of them dressed in painting clothes. Glad you could make it, Justin greeted the college crew. There's still plenty of painting left, but I had something else in mind if you're game. Some of our new residents aren't quite up to interior decoration, and if you want to talk to them about the options and then head out and do a bit of shopping by proxy, I've got a budget for it. I told you he was cool, Helen said as the students exchanged high fives. Paul caught my attention by flicking a single drop of paint at me, so I vectored over to where he was putting the final touches on a lamb. What's up, I asked. He glanced around to make sure the girls had headed down the hall before answering. You know that thing? What thing? That thing. In Yodelville, he said. Yodel, don't do this today, Paul. Ebeth and Sue have me confused enough as it is. All of the surveillance gear in Davos is set up and running now. I wouldn't have missed the opening if you'd let me send over a bot before the conference started. I know, but I figured the hankers would make their maximum effort to scan for bugs when they arrived. They have decent counterintelligence capabilities, and you never know what they might have bought on the open market. Not arguing with you, Paul said, just saying. If you're going to start talking like a teenager, I'd rather have the mob speak back. I'm not streaming the feed in case they're smart enough to track it home, but I downloaded the first batch last night. The emissary is doing an AI is evil skit, and the humans are falling for it. Here. Paul shot me the data, and I took a few seconds to review it. The hankers don't know how long they have until our engineers start opening the portals, so they're trying to get their licks in now, I commented. The hankers probably have a better idea of when the portals will be open than we do, Paul retorted. He was right, of course, since their source was likely behind the approval holdup as well. The problem is they've hit a sympathetic audience, he continued. It seems like most of the attendees are willing to follow the lead of the tech entrepreneurs on this, and those guys are all paranoid about artificial intelligence. They're paranoid in general, I said. When humans get to the top of the heap, it colors their perceptions as much as being poor. Those tech titans were all so young when they became billionaires that life has never hit the brakes on their egos. What does that have to do with being afraid of AI, Paul asked. Their vision of artificial intelligence is a super smart computer that thinks like them, but without the latency issues. At best, they expect AI to conquer the world to protect humans from themselves, and at worst, 
they expect AI to conquer the world to protect itself from humans, they can't imagine artificial intelligence could accept life for the messy compromise that it is because they can't accept it themselves. Pretty funny for a species that thinks it sees artificial intelligence and talking radios and automated telephone answering systems. I called an insurance company yesterday to confirm I'd get paid for some accident work a customer brought in, and the phone system misdirected me into the life insurance claims queue. Would you believe I got a pre-recorded message offering condolences for my loss? I don't know why humans put up with it. They don't have much of a choice in the matter, I said. As soon as the council reaches its decision and I make the announcement, I have a feeling the people on this world will see the portal system for the opportunity that it is, and Paul raised a finger to his lips to quiet me, and then asked, Did you hear that? Hear what? I keep the gain turned down so I don't have to filter out all the conversations in my apartment building. I brought Peter with me to help because he wanted to surprise Ebeth, Paul said. Judging by her scream, I think he did. You know she's going to kill you, I told him. Paul shrugged. I'm backed up. Peter keeps asking me questions about girls, and I keep telling him to pay attention to what he's doing before he drops a car on himself. I figure I'm doing them both a favor. I wonder if Ebeth even knows that Death Lord's real name is Peter. They'll work it out. I hear you have a date with Sue after we finish, so I'll give them both a ride back to the shop and Peter can take her and spot home. Don't worry, he's a good driver. Hey, Stacy said, are you guys going to work or are you going to stand around gossiping all day? Just getting started, I said. I'll be rolling ceilings if anybody needs me. Halfway down the hall, I discovered I'd left the audio gain up when I heard Stacy say to Paul, Did you see that? He was blushing. This concludes Chapter 14 of Turing Test by E.M. Foner.